This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. And welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this is the Sunday Roundup. Dominic Raab resigned as Deputy Prime Minister this week after an investigation into bullying upheld some of the allegations against him. He didn't go quietly, however, claiming some activist civil servants had been trying to block reforms they did not like. His successor, Oliver Dowden, told Sophie Ridge he had nothing to add to the findings of the investigation, but he hoped there wouldn't be any lessening of the high standards civil servants are held to. He described Raab as a man of his word. Is Dominic Raab a bully? Well, the Prime Minister asked Adam Tolley to conduct a detailed investigation. I think it was about 48 pages long. He set out the facts of of what happened in a, a very clear way. Uh, There's there's nothing further I can add to that uh, interpretation. What I can say though is that Dom promised that if there was an adverse finding against him, he would resign. Uh, I've worked with Dom uh, over a number of years, particularly I remember the time when he took over from Boris uh, when he was incapacitated. I know that Dom is a man of his word and he resigned and as the Prime Minister said, I think that was the right thing to have done. He, He did, he made that promise on this programme, that if the bullying complaint was upheld, he would resign. So if he hadn't made that commitment, do you think he would still be in a job? Well, Sophie, that's a a hypothetical uh, situation. Uh, The Prime Minister asked Adam Tolley to conduct this investigation. It was a a very comprehensive piece of work. It dealt with each of the allegations uh, against him and went into the facts of those. The situation as to whether the Prime Minister had to make a decision on that didn't arise because Dom had always promised if there was an adverse finding against him, he would resign. He's a man of his word and he's stuck by that. The Shadow Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, Jonathan Ashworth, was less sympathetic in his assessment of Dominic Raab. Speaking to Sophie Ridge, he agreed that high standards needed to be maintained, but attacked Raab's record on the backlog in the courts and questioned Rishi Sunak's judgment after losing a third cabinet minister. The resignation of Dominic Raab after that report uh, into his behaviour at the Ministry of Justice and also at the Foreign Office. Now, he has said that he believes that some civil servants were effectively out to get him, that they were, in his words, activists who were trying to block reforms. How concerned should we be that a senior minister is saying this about the civil service? Well, look, first of all, let me say this. You know, there's no problem with being demanding or inquisitorial or pushing the system hard. I want to be the Working Pension Secretary. I want to be demanding and push the system to get people into good, well-paid jobs, to lift children out of poverty, to help the disabled people, a million extra disabled people in poverty. I want to push hard and be demanding to give pensioners security. So there's nothing wrong with that. But the report found that Dominic Raab was intimidating, aggressive. And it's not just that he was a bullying minister. He was also a failing minister, failing to deal with the backlog in the courts, failing to deal with the problems in the criminal justice system. And indeed, his failures with the criminal justice system, I think, are symptomatic of a failing government who, after 13 years now, all of our public services are on their knees and failing. So, look, you know, 
It's right that Dominic Raab has resigned. It calls into question Rishi Sunak's judgment in appointing him. And I think it's now the third cabinet minister he's lost. So there is a serious question about, uh, as to why Rishi Sunak appointed him in, in the first place. But my biggest concern is the failing, the failing ministers and their failure in government. Laura Koonsberg's programme was heavily focused on education. In the wake of the tragic death of head teacher Ruth Perry, questions have been asked over whether Ofsted actually has a positive impact on the education sector, with some calling for a halt to inspections. Chief Inspector Amanda Spielman spoke for the first time since Ruth Perry's death and defended Ofsted's process, suggesting it has become a lightning rod for criticism in the midst of wider problems in the sector and a lot of bad feeling. It's been very, very striking, in fact, in the last couple of days. We've heard from lots of teachers, we've heard from lots of parents. Do you think that this is a sector that is in a, a bad shape? I mean, do you worry about what's going on? Have you seen it like this before? I think there's a lot of unhappiness. Um, obviously, um, there are disputes with government about pay, pay and funding. There's clearly a lot of bad feeling around. And when there is bad feeling around, Ofsted often becomes a sort of lightning rod through which that, the tensions and frustrations can be discharged. Do you think you're being unfairly blamed? I think it's really important to understand that there's a wider um, disagreement here between, be, between different factions about how schools should be run, how school accountability should work more broadly. We're just one part of that system. We're not the regulator. We don't make decisions about what happens to school. We are just the inspectorate going to look and see whether children are getting the experience they should in school. General Secretary of the National Education Union, Mary Bowstead, disagreed strongly with Amanda Spielman's assessment of Ofsted's impact on teachers and schools, saying it created a culture of fear, changed its inspection framework far too often, and also claimed its inspectors were in many cases not qualified to make judgments on the schools they inspected. Mary Bowstead, you speak for thousands of teachers. Now, you are a critic of Ofsted, but I'm fascinated to know what did you make of what Amanda Spielman had to say? Well, I thought it was very notable that um, Amanda Spielman accepted that Ofsted created a culture of fear in schools. I thought that was the first time that that has been accepted. How that then squares with her uh, judgment that it's a positive and affirming experience, I am very puzzled about that. Um, it's clear to me that the reason why there's a culture of fear is because Ofsted is not a functional inspection agency. Nobody is arguing that schools should not be accountable. I am not arguing that there should not be a system of inspection in schools. Mm -hmm. Just not this one. Although she didn't say Ofsted has created the culture of fear, she did accept there was a culture of fear mm. around inspection, mm. but she didn't say that is on Ofsted. She, in fact, she said, named some other factors. Mm. Well, she's, what she's saying is that uh, teachers and leaders have to deny the evidence of their own senses. Now, she did say uh, that, you know, Ofsted's own feedback mm. showed that um, leaders found it a positive and affirming experience. That, that is just not something that my members tell me. And indeed, when uh, that claim was tried to be verified by a journalist, mm. he went to the uh, Ofsted helped him to go on the website. Mm -hmm. The questions, the survey by which they make that claim is, is completely inadequate. It asks but it, just but it, leading questions. But in fact, during that, you know, there are different views on this. And in fact, during our interview, we had an email in from one parent who said, thank God for Ofsted. And we've had another email from a viewer called Elaine saying, we'd all love not to be measured in the workplace, but it's not realistic. In private industry, we're measured every day. And 
every month. Schools can't duck the importance of this. Nobody wants to duck the importance of being measured. Or, well, being measured, but we have to be by, you've got to be measured by a system and by people who know what they're doing. Ofsted have changed their inspection framework five times in the last nine years. So you've got schools constantly running after a new inspection framework. The latest inspection framework where you've got non-specialist inspectors mm -hmm. inspecting subjects they've never taught, mm -hmm. a, a phases of education that they've never taught, which they have no degree uh, knowledge in. They're using crib sheets to go round, uh, asking early years children mm -hmm. uh, where their writing is. This is an inspectorate which has lost its legitimacy. Well, it's and finally, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, Ed Davey, also spoke to Sophie Ridge, making a pitch for his party with local elections just around the corner. He said his party's plan was to attack Conservative seats, but refused to comment on whether he would join a coalition with Labour if the possibility arose, saying the question took voters for granted. Would you enter a coalition with Labour? It's a really clear question. Yeah, and I'm giving you a clear answer. The Are more really Liberal Democrat well, MPs maybe I'm that get elected... I really don't no, understand. No, no, because I want people to vote Liberal Democrat to both to beat, beat Conservative MPs and to get Liberal Democrat policies. And I've outlined a number uh, of those policies to you today. And that's the job of political parties, surely, is to stand on a set of policies, on a set of values, and put them into uh, okay. to the electorate and hopefully you, win seats. You, so MPs can do that feel... in Parliament. If you don't feel able to answer the question about whether you'd enter a coalition, just just say, look, I'm not going to answer that question because I, I, I'm trying to I, I'm trying to work out if I'm supposed to be reading between lines here or if I just don't get it. Would you enter a coalition? No, it's, it's, no it's, it's quite clear, Sophie, because when I go up and down the country talking to people on the economy, on the health service, on the environment, that's not what people are asking me. They're that's asking me, asking how are you going to deal with, with our problems? Yeah, but but, I, but yeah, I, know, I know you are, but, but what I feel is that Liberal Democrats and, and all politicians, frankly, should respond to the electorate, make it clear where they stand on those issues and not take voters for granted. I mean, in many ways, your question is taking voters for granted. Now, I'm not going to do that. I want to make sure that we earn people's votes. Uh, over the weeks and months ahead, so at the next general election we can get rid of this. A shocking government who's, who's failing our country is just so out of touch with people who can't afford food bills, can't afford their energy bills, and are desperately trying to get into get that hospital treatment they need. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Joe Bidell Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes Store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs> <laughs>